This week's episode of the Doctors of Running podcast is sponsored by our friends at Running Warehouse. One of our favorite things about Running Warehouse is their excellent selection of footwear. From daily trainers to race day, they've got you covered for any occasion. Spring means it's out with the old and in with the new. Look your best on the trails this season with brand new colorways of Hoka's Challenger and Speedgoat models out now. The Speedgoat 5 was one of our favorite trail models of 2022 and one of the few trail shoes we found to be very stable all around, which is particularly helpful when you're tackling tough terrain. Spring also means big markdowns on some of your favorite training models like the Saucony Ride 15 and the Brooks Adrenaline GTS 21. Trainers like these are always a staple of our closet and are always good to have on hand when your mileage is creeping up throughout the year. Head over to runningrarehouse.com today to catch these deals and more. Take a look at our podcast description for some of the team's favorite running apparel and must-haves like the team-favorite Ultrasoft Rabbit Easy Tea or Chief Editor Matt Klein's Daily Post-Run Ritual, a scoop of Scratch Coffee-flavored recovery mix. Everyone, welcome to the Doctors Running Podcast, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, talk about the art and the science of the things we put on our feet. Today, we're doing a bit of a throwback as we have a, a Q&A episode that Dr. Salas and I are going to be taking. So all those questions that you sent us via email, YouTube, Instagram, whatever media site that we managed to pull this from, we're going to try to get to as many of these as we can. And we're actually going to have a little throwback at the end that we hope you enjoy that we can't take credit for was inspired by one of the questions here. So David, how you doing? Doing good, man. I uh, had a little bit of a foot scare last week, but uh, things seem to be coming around. Did 20 miles this morning and three workouts in the last week. It's been a, it's been a long a week from a workload standpoint but that is the classic runner <laughs> runner answer i'm having a little foot problems but i did get through my 20 milers so you know we'll see how things go i was like oh gosh so you're wearing you're wearing a mario hat right mm-hmm. have you seen the new uh super mario movie i haven't just came out a couple yeah. days ago yeah uh we'll get there i'll be at super nintendo world next week though on friday and oh, saturday yep we got, got the it. uh hour early pass you know to go in before the Sweet. park opens you know about an hour early and we're gonna get our power bands and we're gonna go do all the little uh nice mini games and everything that comes with it i'm gonna live vicariously through you so expect full social media coverage a full review at the end because i'm in dissertation mode and i do not have a life um at all so i don't even know what's happening out in the world other than this so i'll I'll live vicariously through you on that one i hear you though you got to get you got to make sure that you like uh, have reservations for the food place there is that true yes yeah yeah, yeah you have to have i mean even for the nintendo world like if you're not going with that hour early entry there's like a virtual line thing and you got to like get on that like the second you get in the park dang yeah so we'll we'll get a full review and podcast episode from dodger salas on that but for the moment let's dive in to some of the questions that all of you have sent us and we really appreciate that you do send these to us um, know that for those of us who maybe know those individuals who maybe haven't gotten an, a response in email, we're getting like a hundred plus emails a week. So we are doing our best to respond, but we are a little overwhelmed. So if we try our best, if you don't get a response, occasionally just send us a little reminder. Remember, we do this on the side for fun. This is not our full-time job. We do this because we love doing it. We want to educate people on it, but it's a lot of work. And so we appreciate your patience, but Let's jump right in um, with the first question was from Alex and oh, Alexander, Alexander, 
um, said shoe suggestions with less toe spring with a four foot rocker based on the Instagram post about toe springs and rockers that Bach, as always, did a phenomenal job of translating. David, what do you think? Four foot rockered shoe that has less toe spring. Yeah, it's a tricky one, right? Because a lot of times those come hand in hand together, you know, a complementary to both. But there are a couple of things that have come to mind. I did take a look at the shoe wall shortly before this episode was recorded, and I, I grabbed a couple options. Um, one that I like for that category, and actually this is one of my personal favorite shoes of last year, is the On Cloud Go. So you can see there is there's a nice little you know four foot rocker, but there really isn't that much toe spring, and it's actually a decently flexible shoe. Um, just very gradual up front. It's it's a rocker, but there's really not much toe spring. Let's you do what you want. And then another one that this seems kind of like a cop-out answer in some ways, but it pretty much any Newton shoe. If you take a look at that's, Newton. That's very true. Yeah, like there's there's no toe spring, right? Like, however, there is a sharp forefoot rocker based on their met pads and the way they design it. So you roll off the front, you really kind of get each step cycling into the next, but there's not that much toe spring. Hey, Newton, if you're listening, listening, I'm still super excited to see what their super shoe looks like. I've seen photos of that, but it's the same thing where it's like no toe spring, good forefoot rocker, new foam. Really curious to see that. But to follow up that, just for the, the listeners who maybe didn't see that post, toe spring and forefoot rocker, while they go together, don't refer to the same thing. Um, the forefoot rocker refers to the upward curve underneath the toes. It's more at the sole, whereas the actual toe spring is the angle that your toes are held in extension. So if you got this really strong curve right here, that's the toe spring. The curve underneath, for those who can see on video, that's more of the forefoot rocker. So you can have both, but you can definitely have one without the other. And the, the key why we brought this up is if you have toe extension, great. But if you don't have toe extension, you're expecting, hey, I see this shoe that has a forefoot rocker. That the, the toe spring may not work for you because it keeps you in a lot of extension, does put some pressure on certain tissues. Certain people will be fine with that. Certain people won't. It's just one more thing to kind of pay attention to to just figure out what works for you. So my answer would be I'm, I'm right with David. Newton is going to be a, a company that seems to do that fairly well. They do have a little bit more lower stack, but I think the way that you pivot off the lugs can definitely help that and create a rocker effect. The other company that immediately comes to mind is Ultra in that they kind of started talking about this and brought this up, I think a year or so ago. And they were probably talking about it earlier and I missed it. But their, especially their higher stack shoes do a really good job of keeping the toe spring low while still having a big four for rock. Because you need, in those shoes with the low drop and the amount of stack, they're not flexible. So they, you still need a four for rocker there and they've done a good job. And although I think this shoe needs some work, the forefoot is done pretty well. The Puma Forever Run uh, Nitro is another one where, for me, the toe string's fairly low, but there's a good forefoot rocker underneath. And I think that's probably a couple options that you might have there if you're interested in that. But as always, one of the things is you got to figure out how the shoe's going to react to you. So David brought up the OnCloud Go, and I think it's a great, great example because even though it looks like it's sharp, once you put your foot in that shoe, the shoe flexes down. Right. So the flexibility allows you to come down there. But when you go forward, it still rolls you off really nicely. So it's you are going to need to put your foot in some shoes. And if you feel like you're being held in extension, eh, right, if you're sensitive. But if not, like, hey, and it works, even though you might see it, it's going to depend on how your foot is fitting in the shoe. So I think it's a great question. Uh, next one is many folks asked if you could compare the A6 Nim Nimbus and Cumulus 25. And how is it different from the Nova Blast 3? 
David, do you have any initial thoughts on that? I know. Have you, you have you run in the Cumulus yet? I haven't run in the Cumulus. You, yeah, I don't have a pair. You've got the Nimbus. Uh, I do. I've got like 30 plus miles in my pair. So, uh, But what do you think about the Nimbus and Nova Blast 3? I think they're very different shoes. I mean, the Nova Blast is probably a solid, what, three-ish ounces lighter? My two and a half, three? I'm trying to... Isn't it? Oh, gosh. is it, It's 8.9 ounces. Right? It's like just a hair under nine. Okay. So I think it's got I, about like an ounce and a half ounce on the Nimbus. The Cumulus, though, is a similar weight. The Cumulus is nine ounces. Okay. At least the new one. Yeah. So, but I still think they're different. What do you think totally. about like the, uh, the Nimbus versus Nova Blast? Nova Blast certainly has more responsiveness to it. The foam mm-hmm. has a little bit more deforma- deformation. The forefoot has yeah. a lot more pop on it. Yeah. Um, it feels a little more of a performance-esque type ride. It feels yeah. a little bit more narrow through the midfoot. It yeah, kind of feels definitely. like you can turn over a yeah. little bit. The Nimbus is very wide underfoot, a lot of soul flaring going on. You're also really high up, and yeah. uh, it's 43 millimeters of stack. Like, it's you're pretty high. And then, like, the foam, even though it's Blast Plus, it doesn't come down as much. Like, it doesn't... There's not no. as much foam yeah. deformation. And so it just feels like... It feels like a daily trainer is the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, it's always been that, but it just kind of feels like that workhorse easy day shoe. It doesn't feel like a yeah. shoe that I really would have any interest in running faster than that. Whereas the Nova Blast has a little bit more life to it, but probably a little less stability kind of going yeah. medial lateral, you know, than the Nimbus. Um, I feel like you feel a little bit more sturdy footed in the Nimbus, but in the Nova Blast, it's a little bit more. And I mean this in like the nicest way possible, but more of a fun ride. Like it feels like you can take it spinning and do do some fun things. But the Nimbus, if you got to go do a little bit of off road or you got to do whatever, like you're just running easy, you know, like it's just an easy day shoe. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I would say I would, let me start with the Nimbus and Cumulus 25, and I really need to do a sub two on this. I have both of them. I'm holding both of them up for those that are listening. Um, the I think, David, you nail on the head. The Cumulus 25 is very much a daily training shoe. It's a, a very rockered one, and you're sitting really high off the ground. It's above that 40-millimeter um, limit. I got, I don't even know if we're using yeah, the just term quick limit correction. anymore. Nimbus, not yeah. Cumulus. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, Nimbus. I'm sorry. The Nimbus is your classic, very rocker daily trainer. There's a lot of foam underfoot, but it's not like mushy soft like some of the older Nimbuses were many, many years ago. It's definitely – it's rockered. It's got a tinge of softness to it, but it's really meant for just daily training, and it rolls you along. The, the rocker is way more prevalent than the softness is. Um, it's a little more traditional weight, but it feels lighter. I think it's like in that mid-10-ounce range. Um, good, good amount of – width eh, no that's not true it's slightly snug it's a little tapered in the toe box slightly snug whereas the cumulus is a very different shoe this thing is nine ounces it's same foam supposedly but the foam actually feels a little softer underfoot nine ounces this thing has some snap to it so i've done one or two workouts in it it's great heels a bit clunky so it's not as rockered as the cumulus i wouldn't say it's as rockered at all um, it's just a solid daily trainer that has a little bit of a clunky heel, but can pick the pace up and definitely fits a little wider. Whereas your Nova Blast three is your slightly snugger real, like it, to me, it's super soft. It's not as stable. Um, it's better than the older versions, but it's just, it's feels taller and softer. So it is technically lightweight trainer S, but if I would put kind of from what I would take to run fast, I would take cumulus first. I take Nova Blast second and then 
Nimbus would be the last one because I wouldn't do that. But in terms of softness, I'd probably put Nova Blast, Nimbus, and then Cumulus. So they, they're very different shoes. Despite all being from the same company, they are really different. All right. So next question. We got several runners asked in the post about the shoes for new runners if nylon-plated shoes are also a bad recommendation for a newer runner getting into the sport. Dr. Salas, what do you think? Yeah, I think when we take a look at this, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but even when you look at, like, let's say the elite runners, the pro runners, the people that have been doing this their whole lives, like 90% of their runs are not in super shoes or plated shoes. <laughs> they're they're running in the boring trainers. I mean, boring in the nicest way possible. That's all you need for your daily shoes a lot of times. And so for someone who's easing into this, like, I feel like you want to make the shoe as simple as you possibly can. And you want it to be something that works with your mechanics. So, I, I mean, it sounds like a cop-out answer again, but, like, you go into a shoe store no. and try on a bunch of shoes. If one speaks to you and you like it and it's what you want, go with that shoe. And, like, not to say that these shoes are bad per se, but there's just so much we don't know when it comes to a lot of these newer foams and plate designs and things like that, and especially longevity-wise. It's good to just find a shoe that works for you and 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 use it like there's no problems with doing that i would totally agree and i think a really great example of this and we're going to hopefully have this review up before this video goes out is the propel version 4 from new balance because it has a full length um tpu plate but it's still like once this is broken in there's it still flexes a good amount another shoe i can think of off the top of my head is the speed 3 from saucony and i think you know and is that one? Yeah. I thought they yeah. took the plate out. No, they do. Or is it's there... in there. It's a, right. it's a, I think it's a TP or a Piba. Yeah, one of the two. Pebacks, I mean. Yeah, so I think it, as long as – so remember that pl- what plates function to do is to add stiffness to the midsole. And I think the nylon TPU stuff, if it – don't get caught up in the name per se, especially with some of the other ones outside the carbon plates because a lot of times there's still some flexibility. It just adds some like frontal plane or like side-to-side stiffness there. So I think that's – probably fine and i think david hit it on the head where you know i don't grab a racing shoe for your first running shoe i think if you find anything else whether it's the speed three whether it's the propel whether it's the forever run whether it's any of the adrenaline whatever if it's comfortable underfoot and it matches with you i would not worry about that too much i think a better way to say is you shouldn't be picking a racing shoe for especially super shoe for your first running shoe i think the plate that's a slightly different conversation, especially because the plates can vary quite a bit. And they really just add some stiffness. How much? Totally going to vary. So I think it's fine. I wouldn't worry too much as long as it feels good, works with your mechanics, and it isn't like this crazy new thing like some of the shoes like and it, like you know, like the Rebellion Pro. That would definitely not be a, a first running shoe option that I would suggest for the new runner. But yeah. All right. Next question from... Pablo RM, best running shoe for a heavier runner. I mean, it's a very similar answer. <laughs> yep. What works for you? The evidence would suggest the same thing, Yeah, actually. I mean, it's like you would think intuitively, like, oh, I'm heavier. I probably need more cushion. I'll take a higher stack shoe. That's not always the case, you know, and maybe the foam deforms more. Maybe there's a little bit less, a little more side to side movement, things like that. Maybe you want something a little bit firmer. Maybe you want something a little bit wider. Depending on how you strike and your cadence and how you move, you know, I mean, just because you're a bigger runner doesn't mean that you didn't do other things before running, right? Like if you 
played baseball or if you did anything that has any kind of size, right? Like uh, ex-football player or something like that. Um, I think so much is dependent on movement quality and how you move and your individual biomechanics and how you agree with the shoe that's on your foot. So I, I honestly could not come on air and say, oh, I would recommend this shoe for someone who's heavier. I, it's just not, there's, it's not going to happen, you know, and, and I don't yeah. think it exists. No, I think it's going to depend on the person. I think the stereotypes about heavier runners is you need more cushion, you need a wider shoe, and that we really haven't found that to be true because bodies vary, right? So what what does heavy mean? You're going to see all types of body shapes. So trying to find something that fits your foot well, gives you enough room, and provides you adequate cushioning, that means not too much or not too little, that's going to vary depending on the person. Actually, the evidence, the only thing we found in terms of cushioning for like some injury reduction is actually lighter runners. Heavier runners, they didn't find – this is Laurent Maslow did some research on this. And they didn't find that heavier runners did any better injury reduction-wise with more cushioned shoes. They actually found that it was lighter runners that tend to do better with a more cushioned shoe. So I'd say for the heavier runner, if that's something – I still get into a store. Try some stuff on, right? If it's comfortable and it feels good and you run in it, it feels good. You're going to be good. Don't feel limited because of your size or what many – some stereotypes or prior thoughts that really are not grounded in any logic or evidence. Um, so, yeah, enjoy. Oh, here's a fun one. All right. What do your running shoe rotations look like from Pej? Yeah, running shoe rotation is interesting. It's It's how you create the footwear that you're going to wear for a given week, month, cycle, whatever. Um, you know, it's mine currently is a little bit different than it's been in the past. Just with that little foot scare, you know, recently I haven't really put on any super shoes at all. So like every workout I've done the last few weeks, hasn't had any super shoe whatsoever. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, normally I probably would have like, we'll just say again, a, uh, a boring daily trainer. I'll just run in a daily trainer to a couple of my favorites. You know, I, I like the on cloud monster if we're not testing things, you know, um, the cloud goes another nice one. Uh, I'm not just an on boy. There's other shoes I like as well, but, um, Clifton nine has worked pretty well for me. Um, but just like shoes that are just normal daily trainers, right? Um, those are for most of the easy mileage days. Um, when I'm on the workouts, I am on the track usually once a week and I'll have a longer road workout once a week and, and I'll have a long run once a week. And sometimes the workout may be in the long run. Sometimes the long run is just an easy long run. We have a long road tempo interval whatever and the track sessions a track session and so with the track sessions i usually like to have something a little bit lower to the ground a little bit lighter weight a couple shoes that have worked well for me in that realm um the topo cyclone 2 i've got it right here um lightweight poppy has a piba midsole no plate it's just i can use my natural mechanics um audio 7 has worked well uh from adidas the takumi sen if I really want to feel spicy, um, has also worked. That's like their 5k, 10k racer that uses light strike pro that's on the track. Now I have done road workouts in the audios and it has been fine. Um, but usually I try to have a little bit more shoe on me for the longer road stuff. Um, so lightweight trainers, if it calls for it, if I'm in a training block, a super shoe of some kind for like the long road workouts. Um, cause sometimes by the end of these things, like for me, I'll, 
you could do a nine, 10 mile workout. And then even with the rest or the floats, like the average still comes out to like five twenty a mile. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's kind of nice to have those shoes under you sometimes. So it just kind of depends on where I am in the block. Is there a race coming up? Um, if there's a race coming up, I don't like to put on a new shoe, you know, that I've never worn before. So you get a couple, a few miles, a couple of key workouts, you know, in, in those shoes, make sure you like it, um, before the big day comes. But ultimately it just kind of, what it boils down to is a daily trainer, usually a lightweight trainer slash workout shoe. I'm usually not working out in the shoe I'm racing in, um, until I get closer to the race day. Um, and I'll sample a couple shoes before then make sure that it works with my mechanics. And then as I get closer, I've already made my decision at that point, you know, like we're working out in this shoe and then I'll have my race day shoe and then spikes occasionally. If I'm on the track for those that are listening, um, that do run track, I don't work out all of my workouts on the track in track spikes, but if I know I'm going to be running a race, I will start sprinkling it in, in those ladder reps. And I try to really be conscious of how much mileage I'm doing in those because I'm starting to get a little bit older now too. And my calves will get a little bit sore <laughs> running in spikes too much. So just making sure that you grade, um, how much you're wearing these shoes and that you can actually recover and keep moving forward. Yeah, I would, I would agree. The answer for me is going to depend on what we're testing. So I am not as, I'm not nearly as competitive as David is right now, but I'm trying to slowly get back in shape. My training looks a little differently looks a little different right now because my wife is actually pregnant. So for those of you that follow me on Strava, you'll notice that my run looks so weird because I'm running back and forth and back and forth to catch up with her, to like come back for her because she's, you know, she's what, five plus months pregnant now. And so her running mechanics are changing a little bit, speed's changing. So I go back and forth in front of her. So my mileage per each one run isn't as high. So I have a little more flexibility of testing some stuff like I did an easy run in the Puma Nitro Liberate Nitro 2. And normally I would not take that for an easy run, but four to five miles, fine, right? So my, but normally if this wasn't going on, it would be exactly what David said, where I would have my typical training shoe, which for me right now, um, I'm really, other than the clunky heel, I'm really enjoying the Cumulus uh, 25. So that that will be the majority of my miles. Um, I'll usually have a trail shoe when stuff's open. So for me right now, um, the Tecton X2 has been on my feet. It's actually been really fun. Um, and then I'll have something for workouts and I haven't done any races yet, but workouts and faster efforts. So the two things that I'm testing right now, normally I might, it's just kind of whatever we have and have and need to test. So previously it was the Carbon X2 or the Rock, I'm sorry, the Rocket X2 and the fast forward from Puma, and I've completed my miles on those. So getting back to doing the Hyperspeed 2 from Asics and the Liberate Nitro 2 has been really fun. I've actually really enjoyed not running in a plated shoe and just seeing what can my body do. And weirdly enough, when I've been doing like 200s and faster reps, I'm actually cranking out faster uh, splits in the non-plated shoes. So yeah, it really depends on what's going, but that's what's on my feet right now. And there's a ton of other stuff that I need to catch up on with Miles. But I get a shout out to the to like the the Liberate Nitro two and the Hyperspeed two. I really really enjoyed doing that. You know, nothing against Super Shoes, right? They got their place, but it was like, oh, I like feel stuff engage better. You know, and I'm not. I was I was thought I'd be more sore, but it's also great to like, this goes back to my minimal days where I, I did like five easy in the Liberate Nitro. I'm like, oh, I remember this. My calves aren't killing me that much. It's at least they weren't until later. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's on my feet. 
David, looks like you're going to say something. Yeah, just quick shout out on my daily trainer list. Saucony Ride 16 has been pretty lit for me. That's been a solid Dude, shoe. Dude, that's a great, yeah, that's a like great that all-arounder. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that definitely deserved a spot on that little list that I put out, and I, I spaced in the moment, but that is a great shoe. This Yeah, Saucony has continued to do a good job, and it got even lighter, too. But, oh, this is going to be, this next one's fun. Um because we talk about this all the time, but never from this perspective. So Katie did 90 says, is it harmful to run in too many different kinds of shoes? It's interesting because a lot of the times we will reference Laurent Maslow's research and a couple other individuals saying that one of the few things we know that decreases injury risk is running in a variety of shoes. Now, if you take that to extreme, what do you think? But basically means ask any one of us who's running in like, I don't know how many pairs of shoes and switching, trying to get miles and get reviews in. But David, what do you think off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, I said this quote earlier before, but it's like there's so much we don't know. Yeah. You know, and it's like when you're rotating that much and your biomechanics are changing to the what's on your foot that much, mm-hmm. I could see it being potentially problematic if you're doing high volume. And thankfully, I haven't really had too many issues. I mean, we had that little foot scare recently, but outside of yeah. that, I, I've been pretty clean on the injury list. Um, but I will say, when I am buckling down and getting ready for a race, I'll tell the guys, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be reviewing for the next three weeks," and yeah. then I'll go to my go tos, and I'll run in the shoes that agree with me, and I'll kind of, I won't take very many chances at that point. Um, I do think there is something to be said for having continuity in a shoe. I I think there should be a shoe that works for your mechanics that you do come back to frequently enough, you know, where it's kind of like your baseline, if that makes sense. Like, it's like the Mm -hmm. one that works for you. And then it's like you have a couple experimental, you know, external variables there. Um, But uh, it's it's a hard one to answer, you know, and it's like... When I look at us, I feel like we've been relatively good on injuries. Nate has had a couple. You had one, but that wasn't the shoe's fault. No, that, that was, was my that fault. Was, that was that 100% was doing some, your fault. Yeah, yeah, that was doing something stupid, right? Which one are you? Is that the, the, the Achilles the one? Thing. Oh, no, that one, that's not, that's not even relevant. That's me, like, carrying a cat and kicking a barbell. That has no, not I know, that's what I'm saying. That, that had nothing to do yeah. with the shoe. <laughs> the only other one I think is I had an Achilles irritation because I ran this and it was me being stupid. I did a trail race in the original um, Metaspeed Sky, which is already low drop. And then the next day I went and did super still steep hill repeats in the oh, same yeah, shoe. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll yeah, I, I totally deserve that. But outside of that, we've been pretty, pretty good. The only thing that ever happens is into. Yeah, the only thing that happens is like either something non-running related, uh, like a barbell that you accidentally kick, um, or usually a specific shoe. Like you've had issues oh, where yes. it's just like the one yeah. shoe will irritate something, but like cumulatively, no. Unfortunately, so think, yeah, the Adidas Audios Pro 3. Yeah. R.I.P. That's what I was thinking. Wanted of. to love yeah. that shoe. I'm sorry, Adidas. Yep. <laughs> Every strain in my heart was pulled when that shoe did yeah. not work for me. So, Katie, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take a stab at this and say I don't think it's harmful to run in too many different kinds of shoes from like an injury perspective. Um 
I I do think though you need to balance it with some continuity because if you your body at some point is probably going to crave a little bit of consistency. So just being I would say as always extremes are probably going to be problematic. So I try to say hey get a variety but still have your go tos. I think is going to be fine. But if you're lucky enough that like you know like we are super fortunate that we have all these shoes that come through our way that we're able to tests and i think we've been pretty good but not everybody has an option but if you can get a variety of shoes in there great if you're worried that you need forty thousand pairs to keep yourself injured you know it's like a couple is fine it's fine all right try run four um is there also try run three and five too i'm guessing um do carbon plated shoes increase the risk of metatarsal fracture i'm going to say this is another one that it obviously depends we have not so much information on injury risk with these plated shoes. Most, I think, and David and I have both, Nathan, everybody has brought up some anecdotal stuff that we've seen clinically. Um, we There is just some case studies coming out about navicular stress fractures. I need to go re- read that article um, that talked about, yeah, the, potentially from some of the instability, the plate stiffness and facilitating things. I, I do think it's less about do they increase metatarsal stress fracture risks on a global scale, but more for certain people. So the plates really work best if they line up with the, your first toe joint. So for those who can see this, right, so you got a foot, that MTP, the metatarsal phalangeal joint, or where your toes bend, right, the plate needs to facilitate that motion, right? If it doesn't line up with it, you're, that's going to probably put a little bit more load through there. You have to work a little harder to get over that. So instead of feeling like, hey, it kind of facilitates motion forward, which is what plate should do, it just adds more bending stiffness. So you got to work over like trying to go over a, like a plank, like a wooden plank. So I think if you have a shoe that's not lining up with your mechanics, yeah, I could totally see that happening. I can also see a, unst- a very soft, unstable shoe that's also stiff, kind of preventing you from getting motion forward. And now if you've got something stiff front to back and a soft, un- soft and stable shoe, yeah, you're totally going to go lateral medial. So I think if you have a carbon plated shoe that is not, a pr- let's say a carbon plated shoe that's not appropriate for you, yeah, I can totally see that. But on a global scale, we don't know enough yet to go this shoe type specifically causes this problem. We just have some anecdotal and clinical stuff thus far. Dave, what do you think? Did I you miss anything? I agree completely. I think one thing that we can expand on a little bit too is also the volume that we're running in these shoes. Because some people take these shoes, they go from never running in them before to running every run in them. And there's so much we don't know, but like you said, there's a lot of compliance to these foams. There's a lot of stiffness forward to back. They they do change the way you interact with the ground. Like you can pretty much feel it immediately. Whether or not like what your foot's doing on the inside is going to be doing the same thing, but as far as how you feel and integrate with the ground is going to change. Um, from how you push off, how you land, you know, a lot of them are highly rockered. If you're not used to running in highly rockered soft shoes, you're going to stiffen your joints a little bit more. You're going to ch- you're going to change your mechanics slightly. And so I think it's it's a very sticky question because we just don't have that much data on these things. But if there's an acute change and you go from running in something that is a little bit more traditional, maybe a little more flexible, no plate to something that's very rigid, however still very compliant <laughs> and you're just smashing that foot all the time. I mean, there's a chance it could increase the risk. We just don't know, you know, and this is going to be one of those things that over time, you know, you'll start seeing these these case studies pop up. 
And anecdotally, I mean, things that, you know, require high levels of stability or load, like the navicular or metatarsals, you know, it could happen, you know, and that's not to scare people. It's just, it's a risk we all run when we, when we run period, I mean, outside of any shoe that we put on, but, um, because of the compliant nature of these foams and plates, it's just going to change things. And so just like anything, I would make sure it's a gradual transition and it's something that you're, you're ready for. If you do anything cold Turkey, it's going to just, you know, it's going to change loads. Yep. That's how it goes. So any drastic stuff, I totally agree. All right. Alex, the, ch- is it Alex, the chater or Alex, the chatter? I don't know. Um, says, are there any brands other than Adidas with this amount of lateral heel bevel? I almost only use Adidas now because of this. A central heel bevel tends to give me post hip pain, which is not surprising. So this is something I, David might be sick of hearing this, but I complain about this constantly with, with companies going, why is the bevel not lateral? Now, Adidas take, take this to a whole level. Yeah, that, that uh, was pretty gnarly. Anything, <laughs> yeah, anything that we've ever seen before. So this is pretty aggressive. The reason why I, I consistently comment on this is that landing, if you're a heel striker, landing at the posterior lateral side of the heel is normal. That's where people land. They don't land on the medial side. They don't usually land centrally. Some might, but the majority of people land posterior lateral and then roll inwards. That's normal. So if you have a central or this shoe that has a medial one if you have a central bevel what that does is create lateral sole flare here so that actually when you land it pitches you forward inwards more so no wonder that makes sense this is what i complain about if you're having post-hip stuff you're sensitive to that pitch inwards from the lateral sole flare um there are a couple companies that are doing a little bit better with this but no one is doing this to the level that adidas is doing and even adidas has kind of even brought it back they're starting to centralize things a teeny bit more but they're still they they really do the best i think new balance has done a teeny bit of a job of creating a lateral bevel um brooks you can see them attempting it but they have so much posterior flare that it kind of negates it so it's kind of not doesn't really do its job um Saucony definitely has a little bit of one but no one does it as deeply as adidas with like the primex or some of the older the boston the Adios Pro series, like nobody's done it to that extreme. So, but what you're feeling makes sense from a biomechanical standpoint. And this is why I hammer on this. And it feels like I'm going to complain right now. It feels like, oh, people are not listening. Oh, the other, other company that's actually done a really surprisingly good job is Salomon with their Pulsar shoes. There's actually a pretty solid lateral bevel on here. It's not crazy, but it's noticeable. Um, both with the, the Pulsar Trail 2 and the inline Pulsar, even though I really did not like the road Pulsar at all. Uh, that was probably the one good thing about it. But yeah, nobody's doing it to that extreme. And I think a lot of companies are still struggling with it in general. David, any thoughts? I agree completely. I mean, I, I think Mizuno also has a posterior lateral bevel in some of their shoes. Yeah. Um, it's not nearly to the degree that we've seen no. the Adidas shoes in, but it's, it's yeah, there. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, no, I agree. I mean, there's not really anything I can really add on to that, to be completely honest. I think you hit it pretty well. All right, let's go on to the next one. So Peggy Ivers asks, uh, I am looking for some advice for a shoe with the rocker sole. I have osteoarthritis in my ankle from an old injury and large bone spur on the talus prevents me from having too much flexibility with forward motion. And for those wondering, the talus 
is the bone right in front of the ankle joint right here. So if she, my assumption, we don't have any imaging or anything like that, but if there's a bone spur there, it's probably preventing this from moving and from getting adequate dorsiflexion or might, you know, maybe plantar flexion, depending on where it is, but it's probably going to prevent her from getting um, adequate ankle motion. Um, bone spur of the tail is preventing from having too much flexibility with forward motion. So probably dorsiflexion. I have worn the Ultra Escalante for years, and I'm sad to have to move away from that from a shoe that fits my foot naturally with the room it needs. Can you recommend a forward motion, lighter weight rocker sole without too much foam buildup and stiffness? Now, Peggy, I actually got to tell you that I think Ultra still might be a decent option for you, but you might need to look at one of their tall... I know you said not too much foam buildup, not too much stiffness, but I still think that if you're looking for a wider and I, there's a couple other options here, but you may not have to leave ultra ultra actually has some good options that are fairly well rockered. If you're doing really, really well. So one that comes kind of off the top of my head, um, I get maybe the via Olympus is going to be a little too stat tall, but something like the Torin might still be a good option. There's still a rocker there. It's not the most rockered. Um, what's their other cushion one? Why am I blanking on this? Paradigm, right, might be fine. I think it's it's a quote-unquote stability shoe, but not really. It just comes from some sidewalls. So the, the Paradigm might be a really great option. It's got a fairly good rocker up front. Um, you might want to try the Via Olympus just because it does, because the stack height is so tall. The foam does compress, so it might still roll fairly well. But, David, what do you think about a Topo option? I agree. I mean, if you're already running an ultra, I'm going to make a broad stroke here and kind of assume that a wider forefoot, midfoot, like it's probably a design that works pretty well for you. Um, I honestly think Topo would be great. The only thing yeah. is when I'm thinking about their options, especially on the road, they don't have as many rockered options. I mean, you have the Magnafly, that has some, but it's not a lot. But there's some flexibility there. That could be an option. You could use Magnafly 4. Um, I'm thinking about one, Spectre. Uh, Spectre, though, it's still pretty rigid up front. I mean, it's a little yeah. bit... It, there's no plate, but... It, like, there's no plate. It's more flexible yeah. than a plated shoe, I guess. But there's still a decent amount of rigidity. But I think it could still work. Yeah, I agree. Um, the one that I was really thinking was actually the Topo Pursuit. But that's a trail shoe. <laughs> That yeah. seems to like nail it <laughs> as far yeah, as almost. description goes. Right. Um, Phantom. Well, might actually, be if option. you've been running in the Escalante, this why not the Cyclone too? It's a lower stack. It's it's higher up now. It's what twenty five ish, I think. I think that thing's going to be too flexible still for her. It might. Like that that's going to move a lot. But the other one that I was thinking actually was the OnCloud Monster. Higher up, oh, that's it's a rocker shoe. The plate's flexible. It's not like a super yeah. rigid forefoot. That's a sh like because that that kind of personal design actually works pretty well for me, and that's why I brought up the monster and the cloud go earlier. Um, the ride sixteen kind of is similar, but it's probably a little bit more rigid and snappy up front. So I probably wouldn't put that in that category. But um, yeah, it does, I think between everything we just said, there's a couple options there. Right. This is a very classic clinical question that we get a lot. So for those who don't know, we don't do running stuff all the time when we work clinically. Um, I would say more, it's more orthopedic cases or even neuro. We're going, hey, I need something that's rockered, right? We don't have access to maybe an orthotic orthosis. What can we do? So Topo is actually one that I recommend quite a bit. 
if you can't handle zero drop because a lot of their models still have like four to five um plus a little wider a more anatomic toe box which can work really really well which can be difficult to find so i'd say if you aren't loving ultra's other models i think something from topo might be a really really good option to maintain that wider um toe box with a little heel drop and a little bit more rocker might do you well all right Guitar Jerk 13, that's a great name. Um, alternatives for longtime GT2000 users who want to try something lighter. I just ordered the GTX version of the 11s. My last pair was version 8. Should I get the Keanu Light 3 for road running or should I maybe look at a different brand? I've been an ASICS user since I was a teenager. So, as a stability guy, I'm going to tell you the newest version of the GT2000 is actually pretty solid. It's under 10 ounces. I found it to be a little bit heavier than version, or it fit. It, I think the weight is actually, it's supposed to be like 0.01 ounce lighter or 0.1, 1, 0.1 ounce lighter than the last version. But I found version 10 to actually be pretty snappy and fun that I actually was able to do like workouts in. So I would say if you haven't tried version anything since version 8, try version 10. Know that you might need a size up because the arch didn't fit me very well with that shoe and it was kind of really in my face. The Keanu Light 3 is a great shoe. It's snappy. It moves quick. That might be an alternative, but it actually weighs exactly, almost exactly the same as the G- new GT2000. So, you know, that might be something. But I had to, hate to break it for you to like finding those lighter stability shoes are kind of dead at the moment. The only things I can think of is the Brooks Launch GTS, which I honestly don't like very much. I I was not impressed. I didn't find it snappy. Um, I kind of found it a little bit clunky. Uh, The Saucony Tempest is obviously an option, but we are a little biased with that one since we got to fly out to Saucony to talk about that. So just a heads up. It is a good option. Um, It's lighter. It's nine ounces. It's very well cushioned. It's got a super foam there. No plate, but that's definitely something. But You know what? Brooks didn't tell us anything about an embargo, so I'm going to bring this up, that in July, uh, a shoe called the Hyperion GTS is going to be coming to market, and that is like the Hyperion um, from Brooks, but it actually has guide rails, and this thing is like in the mid-seven-ounce range from what I'm measuring, so this, come July, might also be a great option. It's lower to the ground, so it's not your super max tech height shoe, but it's been really fun to get some fast miles in, and I'm hoping... We start seeing maybe a sprinkle of some lighter stability shoes, but who knows? So Hyperion GTS, Tempest, um, even sticking, if you don't want to go that light, if you want to, you know, just a little more trainer thing, something like the Tempest might be good if you're trying something alternative. But if you still are really, I've noticed some people recently kind of afraid to go away from stability. If you're not willing to try something that's stable neutral, there is still some options. And I would say the newer versions of the GT2000 might be worth testing, but they're not, they don't, the newest one didn't feel the most snappy. David, I miss anything? Anything you think of, like, stable neutral-wise? Uh, well, actually, even in the stability category, I still think the Saucony Guide is pretty responsive. Oh, how could I forget about yeah, that shoe? Like, yeah, that the Guide, kind of the, the newest Guide would be that, great. Yeah, that was kind oh. of the first one that came to mind for me. That's kind of a pretty solid lockdown. It has a performance-esque feel to it, but it's still a daily yeah. trainer. But you could you could yeah. still turn over in that shoe. Like, Oh, yeah. I it's mean, lighter than the GT2000 series. It definitely has that like ride-esque feel where it can be snapping your foot. Yeah, the, the Guide 16. Yeah. yeah, the Guide 16 would be also another great option for that. That's great. Sweet. All right. So uh, this, is, this is definitely a partial David, partial me question, but definitely David. So uh, Chris uh, Scheidman? 
Uh, I would like to hear more about everyone's experiences with the Endorphin Elite and how it compares to the Endorphin Pro 3 and the Audios Pro 3. So, David, I think you're the you're the one that just ran the 225, right, and the Endorphin Elite. So, what do you think about – Because and you, I'll let you – if you want to try to tackle the Audios Pro 3, I think I have more experience than you in that shoot because it didn't work for you. But what do you think about Endorphin Elite thoughts? Because we have shot that video, but yeah. I don't know if we touched as much on comparing it to some other things. Yeah, I mean, and then we do have that video comparing the two yeah. on the YouTube. So if anyone does oh, we do. oh, want to go, I watch forgot that, about that. Feel free to yeah. go watch that. But I'll, I'll do some brief recaps here. Um, let me just grab the two shoes here. So here's the Endorphin Elite for the viewers. The Endorphin Pro Three is right here as well. So if we take a look now, spec wise, they're like pretty darn similar. Yeah. Outside of composition, like let's just I think the weights like basically the same. Yeah, right? they're they're very very yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, but plate, just looking at design, if you're looking at the Endorphin Elites compared to the Endorphin Pro Three, you have way more toe spring and forefoot rocker in the Endorphin Elite. Case one, so you have a more balanced rocker ride in the Endorphin Pro Three. Just looking at it, you're going to have much more of a rolling sensation in the Endorphin Elite. The other big change... Now, heel bevel, I actually found these to be kind of similar. It was more so the midsole composition that felt different. Um, in the Endorphin Elite, you have power on HG, which is their newest foam. It's what they have, their highest resilience that they have been able to record so far. It does run a little bit firmer than Power Run PB. It's still soft. I mean, all these foams are really compliant. Um, in my category, I would still say it's soft, but it's not going to be as pillowy soft as the Power Run PB in the Endorphin Pro 3. So if you want something a little bit more cushy, a little bit more um, cloudy, I guess you could say, like that's probably going to be more the Endorphin Pro 3. Uh, when you take a look at the platforms... Traction's obviously a little bit different. You have a deeper midline groove in the Endorphin Elite. You have an exposed medial aspect. <laughs> I'm kicking mud all over the place. There was mud during my marathon, and so there's just dried mud falling off my shoe right now, but that's okay. I'll clean that. <laughs> Do you look at the traction on these? So this one has a little bit more of an outsole. This is the Endorphin Pro 3 for the listeners. has a little bit more of an actual kind of grip to it, whereas the... Endorphin Elite follows more of that real slick road running design where the outsole kind of has a little bit of give to it and almost catches the road. Um, that's very similar to the outsole that you see on the Audios Pro 3 um, and Audios Pro 2. But I would say the big difference is you have a more balanced rocker in the Endorphin Pro 3. You might have a little bit of more bounce depending on how you land and how you use the Endorphin Pro 3. I felt like I might have had a little bit more bounce in the Endorphin Pro 3. However, I had way more rhythm in the Endorphin Elite for myself, and I felt like it's a shoe. I didn't really want to run super fast in it, per se. Like, if I was running anything 10K down, I don't think I would choose that shoe. But half marathon up, it's really nice. I can just fall in and settle into a pace that's controllable. Where the Endorphin Pro 3, it's actually kind of funny. It's a little unstable for me, just how soft it is coming medially. I don't think I'd want to wear it for a marathon. I just don't think I would. However, I think like you could, uh, the range of possibilities between 5K up to marathon, I think is a little bit more doable in the Endorphin Pro 3. So um, just based on how more balanced the profile is. 
but as a true marathon racing shoe, like for me, this works really well for my mechanics. For the listeners that can't see, this is the Endorphin Elite. It's what I chose to run my most recent marathon in. It's probably going to be what I run my next marathon in. I, I don't know that for sure yet. There's still some time to be decided for that. Um, half marathon is going to be up for grabs between this and probably something else, um, currently on my mind. But, um, yeah, those are probably the big differences. I mean, the Audios Pro 3 also has a sharp toe spring that you see. Um, wider base. Light Strike Pro is probably pretty similar to Power on HG, I think, from a feeling standpoint. It might be a tiny bit softer. Um, but I'd say you have a wider base um, plate design. You obviously have the rods. Um, even though they're, they're now grouped now, right, in the Audios Pro 3 yeah. versus being individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... It well, actually, you know what the uh, the endorphin elites they're they're kind of rod like as well, aren't Are they? they? They're separated. Yeah, no, no, it's one no, it's the... one piece. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not like a rod. It's not like as thin as the um, as the Audios Pro Three, but I'm pretty sure it's almost like like thicker finger looking ones that come through in the endorphin elite. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't. We're going to have to double we'll check have to that. double check that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Jamie, yeah, pull that up. No, uh, <laughs> we don't have a Jamie to pull that up. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we'll have to check that later. But I'm pretty sure that's in the design. But I, there, there's a lot of similarities between the Endorphin Elite and the Audios Pro 3. Um, I think there's a lot more volume in the fit of the Audios Pro 3 if you have a wider yeah. foot. Um, I'll let you go into more detail on that one, though. Yeah, I would say you're not you're definitely not wrong in terms of there's there's some similarities between the Audios Pro 3 and the Endorphin Elite. Um I would the Endorphin Elite is definitely your this is this is a fast shoe. This is really meant to go really really quick. The HD foam in my mind beats the Light Strike Pro foam hands down in terms of responsiveness, speed, stuff like that. The Audios Pro 3 though is still a great shoe for me. The, ironically, I found both of them to be fairly stable, which is great The for different reasons. The rigidity and sole flare in the Audios Pro 3 was great. The sidewalls in the Endorphin Elite worked very, very, very well for me. So it, the, neither one of them are true stability shoes. I think the Audios Pro 3 might beat that just a little bit. But yeah, a little bit more volume in both. Um, both of them are definitely long distance racers. I really had a hard time turning over quick in the Audios Pro 3. Like I can do super long efforts in it, whereas the Endorphin Elite, I can move quick. So I think the Endorphin Elite for me is a little bit more versatile in terms of the paces, where the Audios Pro 3 is truly a marathon shoe, but I mean, so is the Endorphin Elite as well. But that's how I would compare those. Although plenty of people are still running super fast, like 5K and miles in the Audios Pro 3. But I, that's just, I can't do that. So uh, that's just me. So I, t- I went and I, I looked it up on Saucony. Look site. it up? It, it is. It's, it's thicker. It but is. It is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a one-piece right. plate. It's one piece through the yeah. heel, through the midfoot. As you get into the forefoot, it's four different pieces. Um, they're, all, they're all part of the same plate, you know, but there's, there's just a split. There's three splits that make four. Right pieces um, for, for as of the Audios Pro Three. Those there, those there's those individual rods. There used to be a plate in the heel, but I believe they took that out. Um, and now it's just full length rods throughout the whole thing. But yeah, both all of them great shoes. I think you just need to figure out which one works best for you. All right, we got Bruno Casita. 
Uh, it says New Balance Fuel Cell Propel V4 versus Asics Glide Ride 3. Considering both are rocker with a TPU plate, which one is more stable? Any other fun alternative? So I've got, and I'm about ready to get a review on the Propel 4. I would, I mean, it is, but not, it's not in the same uh, category as rocker as uh, for the A6 Lite Glide Ride. That shoe is incredibly rockered and rolls insanely quickly forward, whereas I feel like this one kind of just feels like your run-of-the-mill, the, the, uh, the fuel cell propel honestly just feels like your run-of-the-mill fuel cell daily trainer, to be totally honest with you. Um, I found the fuel cell propel to be a little bit more stable as the plate comes up on the side. I didn't find the glide ride to be that stable. Um, yeah, it rolls you forward really quick, but the softer ride kind of had me all over the place. So I, instability-wise, would, would choose to propel four over that. Um, and any other fun alternative? Uh, David, what do you think on fun alternatives to those? Uh, I haven't run on the Propel, so I, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, I, like, I don't know where the first thing that came ride, to me was. Something that has a little bit of a sharper toe spring up front that you can really kind of roll forward with. Um, I guess the next question is to find fun. Does that mean light and quick, or does that mean... <laughs> Uh, what what weirdly comes off the top of my head, especially the, although the Glide Ride Three is Max actually, I think might be an alternative. Eh, to me, it feels like it's be. rockered and uh-huh. I'm rolling forward pretty quick. It's probably a pretty similar ride to the Glide Ride for myself. Uh, Definitely not the Propel. The Propel, I don't know if people have tried it, but I haven't found it a fast shoe. And I, I know they they said it's a daily trainer, but it's ten point seven ounces, and you can you do notice that. I mean, there's a little bounce that takes the edge off of that. But the Glide Ride moves quicker than the Propel 4. I mean, if you want a fun alternative, Topo like Spectre. the things that come... Yeah, those are... It's still... The Spectre's in a totally different class. It's That's a fast shoe. I can move quick in that one. These are a little... Heavy, these, are so, these are above 10-ounce sh- shoes. So I'd say... I mean, if you're going to go, like, fun alternative, like... Yeah. I'd say fun alternative... Like, let's get a little crazy is like the New Balance Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer, which is actually similar in weight to the Propel. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, it's I kind mean, of a tough one. The Endorphin Shift has a sharp toe spring. Yeah. And that's I, like a 10 I ounce shoe. Sh- I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's nine. The oh, new one's nine. nine ounces. Yeah. Dude, I would pick this. I would pick the Shift over either of those just because it's lighter and moves quicker, but. Yeah, if you want to go nuts and have fun, I would say the Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer, just because it's somewhat similar weight range, super cushion. Um, but yeah, those the Propel Four is a little weird. Uh, my review, I have some feedback and thoughts on that, but we'll we'll get to that. All right, Adam Fierst says, per my IG message, are there some people who are super shoe non-responders or slow adapters? Yes. What are racing shoe options 5K to full for someone who has a strong toe-off with a calf push who has always run well in flexible shoes? Or how do you adapt or use that strength with stiff shoes? David, I feel like this is a perfect question for you to lead off on. Yeah, I mean, if you Although like... I have some light options. Yeah, if you like flexible shoes, by all means, run in flexible shoes. Like, if it works for your mechanics and you like it. I think one that just came out that's a banger flexible shoe, I said it earlier in the episode, but it's a Topo Cyclone too. Oh, yeah. That's a P-Bax great midsole. It's yeah. very flexible. There's no plate. 
And there's still a lot of life to this shoe. And the weight is like right in that high six, low seven. Oh, no, it's I think my pair is like low sevens. But I think it's, it's listed. It's listed yeah. around seven, though, I think. But still, that's like, that's like comparable with a lot of the other racing shoes. It's marketed as a lightweight trainer, but I honestly think you could rip a 5K in this. Like, I would have no issue running a 5K in this. Um, that's a good option. Another one, this is an older shoe, if you could still get your hands on it. I mean, we're talking feather light, and we're talking flexible, and we're also talking to P-Bag Space Foam, which this shoe hardly got any press when it came out. The Reebok Forever. Oh, yeah. Red Energy Pro. <laughs> Dude, Reebok, what did you do? You had Run so much potential Pro. with that Pro. shoe. Yeah. yeah, you had so much potential with it. Maybe it was because it was too expensive, but then it went on sale for like a hundred bucks, and I was like, "Dude, this is great!" Yeah, like that shoe <sighs> would be a killer, lightweight, flexible yeah. racing option yeah. for you. Yeah. Another one though, like, is the ones. Not everything has to have a carbon plate, and I think a lot of these more flexible options are doing that. And one of them could be the Adidas Tsukumi Sen. Now it's still a little bit stiff, but there's yeah. there's a plastic uh, energy rods through there. Another one that comes to mind. Now I haven't run in this shoe, but it's just something that comes to mind is the Nike Streak Fly, where they're using more of the shank oh, design. Yeah. It's still yeah. Piba base. It's their Zoom X foam. It's a more flexible profile. Um, yeah, and then I saw you were holding the Hyperspeed, right? Hyperspeed and Liberate Nitro too. I mean, both these like the Liberate Nitro especially has plenty of cushioning underfoot for being like six and a half ounces. Um, oh, I gotta bring this up, Topo. Yeah, my size 10 for the Cyclone 2 weighs 7.1 ounces. Like, it weighs way, you know, you got to give I'll it some a, more credit. I'll do a live it's weigh not, in here. It yeah, let me... can, it certainly can be a light training weight weight trainer for some people, but you got to market that as a legit non-plated super foam racing flat because oh, baby, it is wait. awesome. Oh, that's not, wait, yeah. that's like, okay, yeah, mine nine. Like, you missed your marketing on that one. Like, it's not too late. I guess nine. you didn't, you, you missed your, you yeah. can still grab it, but come on. Size nine, but, weighing in six point four seven. Yeah, yeah, and there you go. and they're marketing so, it as a that's lightweight a banger trainer. of a shoe. Yeah, like that shoe is yeah. so versatile. What well, that got my it's, most versatile recently, yeah. and something that I was in. That's so phenomenal shoe. But going back to the first part of that question, so are some people super shoe non-responder or slower adapters? Yes, and we've actually seen this in the research. Some of the original studies didn't tell you or, or didn't make it clear, I should say, that there were some people who had like let, let's use the 4% as a, the the example. That was a 4% average. There's people who had like 10% improvement economy and those people had like an 8 10% loss in economy. And there was a study done recently that I'm blanking on the name where they took a bunch of I think it was Kenyan athletes or was it Ethiopian? I can't remember. And they all put them in these super shoes. We're comparing them to some group of Europeans. And they found that the response to these shoes was all over the place. Somebody had like a, I think it was like a 15 or 10% even more decrease or like, like worsening running economy in these shoes and other people's it went crazy so yes there are some people who are going to do super well in these and there's other people who are going to go these suck these these don't work for me and there are options out there still so the cyclone 2 is a great option if you want some flexibility there's still stuff out there um i think the liberate nitro 2 and the hyperspeed 2 were the shoes that immediately came to mind when i've run in these i was like dude these would be top of the line marathon racers if it if we weren't in this super shoe era but there's still a couple companies that are putting these out there and if they the sh- other shoes aren't working for you find these they work just as well you just have to figure out what works for your body and that's some of the challenge of some of the marketing is these shoes like oh it's you know magic these plates are magic and all this. this is not 
not really. It's the combination of how it's working with your body that really makes it magic. Now, how do you adapt or use that? You got to see if your body can work with it. And the answer might be it doesn't, right? You might not do well with the super compliant foams. You might not do well with the super level of stiffness. And that that's you can try. You can ease your body way into it and see if it'll adapt. But, you you know, if it feels comfortable running in flexible shoes, there's still options out there. You have to work a little harder to find them. But they're there and we hope that helped. All right. Let's keep going. So Faye Cooper Race shoe recommendations for forefoot strikers who have sensitive forefeet, which is essentially all of us forefoot runners who run on our tippy toes. I'm an experienced runner of 30 plus years and truly struggle with many of the racers as they fry my forefoot on anything longer than a half marathon. David, what do you think? Since you just did a marathon, what do you think? You know, it's such a tough one because, I mean, yes, you're landing on your forefoot, but I don't know like how you're landing on it. Are you like how you're pronating? Are you super supinated? Are you locked out? Um... What I will say is if you feel like you need a little bit more cushion underfoot, there are lower drop options out there. Um, There is the ultra racing shoe. I haven't raced in that. I haven't worn it. I can't speak on the performance of it. Um, A shoe that does come to mind, ironically, would be the Nike Alphafly version one. I know some people that have responded well to that shoe that do run like that. Um, I would look at something that has a little bit of toe spring, but not a lot, because if you're already up front and that thing is spooned out too much, you're going to have a hard time pushing off of it because it's already, you're already at the point where it rolls forward. And so it's not going to work too well. So you're going to want something that has a little bit more of a moderate rocker to it, to the front. So I, something that comes to mind on top of that could be something like the Endorphin Pro 3. Um, or the New Balance SC Elite 3, a little bit less dramatic up front. Um, that, or you take something that's a little bit more flexible, um, and you just you just accept that, and that could be something like the Takumi or like everything we just listed before. Um, I hope that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with everything David said in terms of you got to figure out why is your forefoot sensitive, right? Are you having trouble with the plate, which is probably the thing that's going to create the most stiffness up there? Are you an affly person that the the pods are bothering you or is it something you haven't tried yet and that might be great? Um, are you a person that runs a Newton and the lugs being too like aggressive or putting too much pressure there, which Newton does have a super shoe coming out that has a lot more stack under it. So that may or may not work. Um, I think, yeah, I would definitely regret trying to figure out why are you struggling with that and you might need a little more flexibility. So David mentioned the um, – gosh, what's it called? The Vanish Carbon from Ultra. They also have one called the Vanish Tempo, which is essentially almost the same thing um, without a plate. So that might do a little bit better for you and still light. It's still a great shoe for marathon distance, but you just got to figure out why that's bothering you and then use that to go, hey, can I handle a plate? Great. Here are the options. Can I not handle a plate? That's where you're going to need to go, okay, I still need a super light shoe, maybe something like the Topos, even the Topo Spectre, um, the Ultra Vanish Tempo, um, some of the stuff that David listed off, like trying to figure out why this is getting irritated, I think is going to be the combination of figuring out what works for you. All right, let's choose, we're getting over an hour here, so let's choose one, let's do two more. Let's do, we have a classic one that we'll give this person full credit for, for bringing this back. But the first one I kind of want to dig into, um, 
it's a little all over the place, but I'm, I'm going to try to to summarize it. I'll, I'll read the whole thing. So it's CM says any shoe that does not work of the foot surely weakens it unless the wearer has a permanent disability. Should carbon plated running shoes be used for racing only? And is there an alternative response to the standard response? Vary your footwear to rest the muscles as opposed to rest until your body can run properly again. Using your feet and leggings, it seems that to me that fear sells all sorts of things. So, CM, let, let us know if you're listening, if if I'm summarizing this correctly, is that it seems, sounds like you're saying, you know, these more, you know, whether it's a, a supportive shoe, super foam shoe, that if your foot can't work, it's going to get weaker, right? Um, the second part is, therefore, should, you know, these super shoes that are kind of taking a lot of force away from the ankle, which isn't always true. Should you only use those for racing? And do you really need to vary your footwear all the time to be able to run, to, to get ready to run properly again? Um, I think there's a lot there. So I'm going to jump on the first one and say that we've actually, there's been some, the, there's some not good research out there that is that is done so poorly and was like not enough, like one person that suggests that maybe your feet might get a little weak. But the larger studies that have been done have actually shown that that's not true, that some of these shoes, despite being super foam, whatever, your feet are still working pretty hard in those shoes, especially if you have those really compliant midsoles, you're still going to be gripping. And so don't assume because the shoe has more bounce or whatever, that your foot muscles aren't necessarily working. And we've actually seen the same thing with stability shoes. Some people actually like the 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 post or whatever actually makes them pull up away from the post. So they're actually engaging their muscles more. Other people fall into it more and rely on it. So there's not really a clear-cut answer. But the idea of um, a certain shoe weakening your foot really depends on the person. Is it good if you can to get your feet out of the shoe every once in a while, not necessarily for a run, but just to kind of wiggle things around? Yeah, that's fine. Can everybody handle all the different types of shoes? No, but I don't... It, it consistently person to person, we haven't found that everybody's feet get weaker being in a certain shoe. There might be some changes, but it's not been consistent. The other thing moving on is do carbon plated racers, should you only be using them for racing? I would say no. David alluded this earlier. He was going, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of picky with the shoes I'm using when I'm doing my buildup. But as I get close to the race, I need to figure out what works for me. And I think you should you should not save a plated shoe just for race day. If you've got a longer race, you need to take do take that shoe on a couple long runs to go, does this work for me? Because if you don't know and you've only taken it like five miles and you're going to run a marathon, you are you are venturing into unknown territory and you might not finish. You might, but you don't know what your body's going to do, especially after that 15, 20 mile mark. Like, so yes, you should definitely be using them, especially as you test and go, can my body handle this? Um, and then I think the last question, which I'm trying to summarize, and David, you tell me if you think I'm way off on this. I'm actually going to ask it to you is, um, is there an alternative response to vary your footwear to rest your muscles um, as opposed to just waiting until your body recovers? What do you? How would you respond to that, if that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, so it's kind of how I look at performances similarly as well. I'm, unless proven otherwise, due to some other external variable, I'm always going to side with the athlete. They're the one, they have to put the performance down, they have to move their legs, they have to run and do the race and the performance. With that said, that also is accountable for recovery. And I don't fully believe in footwear. It can it help some aspects of recovery, sure. But is that going to be the piece that drives recovery? Absolutely not. 
you got to sleep, you got to eat, you got to take care of yourself, you know, like I, every once in a while, have I worn a shoe that maybe has a little bit more resilience every once in a while on an easy day because I feel really beat up? Yes, I have. Do I do that all the time? No, I definitely don't. Um, and especially we were just talking about all the foot muscles and how hard they actually work in some of these shoes. Like sometimes it might feel good in the short term, but then it's like, oh, wow, like, like my lower legs are gassed. Um, but I think that like shoes are tools, like use them for that. If you feel like you really need that on that day, then go for it. But it's like, I wouldn't make a normal habit of doing it just because of this idea that it's going to make you recover more. Um, like I said earlier, there's a lot we don't know, and there's not really a lot of longitudinal studies on this stuff where you're looking at like this person wore it for six months. How did that happen on all of their easy days? And now we're taking a look at different kinds of biometric data or whatever, inflammatory markers, whatever, um, to quantify that there's just that data really isn't out there to my knowledge. I haven't seen any of it. Um, and there's some risks that go along with it too. And so, and it's hard to keep track of those things. And so it's one of the limitations in research as a whole, but not to spin off of this, but it's just, I would be very reluctant to use shoes as the driving force of recovering your legs. That's just what the point I want to drive home is. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that I would not go. I'm going to use this shoe. It's going to help me recover faster. You might feel less sore, but these shoes aren't magic. They aren't going to take, they don't remove forces. You can't do that. They are going to shift them. They're going to move them into just different spots. And so, the, so you might go, oh, you know, I'm really beat up. So I'm going to use this shoe to try to maintain my pace or I mean, you know, oh, I feel, I feel good. I'm going to pick up the pace and I know I can recover faster. That's not how it goes. And we're, these shoes have not decreased injury rates. Um, I think they've changed them. I think they've changed the injury types where we may not get as many stress-related ones in certain areas, but we're actually seeing some research suggests that we're seeing some stress ones in different areas. But your musculoskeletal system still has to recover. The softer compliant foams, you're still like you need that stability component. You need your muscles to be able to deal with that. They're going to stiffen up more. You're going to have your stride length increase. So that's going to put stress in different areas. So I really don't think anyone should be going, yes, I'm going to use this shoe because it's going to make me recover faster. The impact a shoe is going to have on your recovery compared to what David mentioned being sleep, smart training, good nutrition. That yeah, it the the latter ones are a billion times better than any specific shoe. So I would say don't do that. And I would not use any fear related with that. I would say that's it's a company trying to sell a product, but there's other things that are way better. It's the same thing with like foam rollers, right? And we've talked about this. If you like foam rolling, awesome. Does it make you recover any faster? On a whole, no, it doesn't. The nutrition, the sleep, the smart training is going to do a billion times better. If it makes you feel better, go for it. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're like going, is it going to make me recover faster? No, there's some things that do and a lot of other state things that are kind of adjunct that may be missed marketed. But all right, so our last question. And you know what? I'm going to let David totally take this one just because we're going to do this OG. Because for the listeners who have listened to us for a while, you will know that I always like freaked out on those questions, especially if it was sport related. And I'd be like, I don't know. Please ask me last. So our last question, David, is KS Runs asks, if each DOR member was a shoe, what shoe would they be? 
That's a loaded question for me to just take the whole thing, no, you, man. That's I'll help you. I'll help Ooh, you. But babe. I was really bad at this. Okay. We always had the if if this shoe was a what at the end of our uh, podcast for long time, and we kind of we got to bring that back because I think listeners enjoy me being super awkward at the end, and you having great <laughs> answers every time. I think I'll start off with one because we very very briefly talked about it before the show started. I'm going to kick it off with Andrea. I think Andrea would be the Nike structure. Reason why? She's very structured. That's, <laughs> she's, that's fair. Okay, she, got she's it. She's got all the components are there. They're visible. I's are dotted. T's are crossed. You know, and it's it's a old, reliable type of shoe. And I not to say that you're old, Andrea, you're not. But <laughs> like, uh, I think it's just it's a very structured element. And I think it, it coincides with with her personality and how she goes about things. Um, so I'm going to yeah. give her some credit because the newer structures have been totally redone. They're taking a totally new view on stability. And I think people are going to really like them, just like the fact that people seem to really like it when Andrea comes on and does the podcast so yeah i can see i can okay all right yeah who's next uh who is next who is next who is next i mean i would have said the hyperion max because she likes that shoe so much but that doesn't I, you know that's different <laughs> i think that's why you're doing a better job than me um you know i'm gonna go with bach next okay he's gonna get the craft race rebel it's not a box shoe it is not a box shoe but at it all. is bach and the reason why it is Bach is it's a very mysterious looking shoe, right? It's a black on black print, very, very minimal <laughs> like details on that thing at all. The only thing that says on there is let's rage, you know, with the quote for Tommy Ribs. And it's just this mysterious looking shoe. And it's like on my shoe wall, it's in that like dark corner over there. It's like a shoe that I won't. I like the shoe. Like I'm not gonna, like it's one of the shoes I'll pull out every once in a while, but it's just like that mysterious shoe in the shadows that like is doing things, but no one really talks about it much. And he's the wizard behind a lot of this, you know. <laughs> and he's a little bit of a rebel. He'll do what he wants, you know. And we, <laughs> yeah, that that very true. Yes. So I for those of you who don't know that Bach is <laughs> an amazing human being and has driven probably a majority of the growth that we've had since he came on and just like yeah he he is an incredible human being so the mysterious shoe that's a little bit of a rebel that that's bach it's hard i gotta like i gotta like summarize everybody into a shoe this is this is hard this is this is very hard um you'll know when we post this episode if anybody drops off the websites they got offended and left so we'll find out what happens yeah you know and i think for the next one's gonna go to dr klein over here all right. I want to hear this. This should be good. Yeah. So I'm going to give you, you're going to be the Adidas Prime X. And the reason why. Because I'm tall and unstable. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> tall. That's a question mark. <laughs> no, I think most of you guys are taller than me, actually. Yeah. 5'8". Yeah. 5'9". Uh, no, reason why. There is a lot going on in that shoe. <laughs> you have that's two different true. layers of plates. You have that crazy posterior lateral bevel. <laughs> You've got a very narrow midsole through the midfoot, but still a surprisingly wide forefoot. <laughs> it's just a shoe that's got a lot going on, but somehow it still yeah. can perform quite well. 
That's yeah, I like that. That's so, fair. So and you, most people yeah. would break if they use it if they right. tried to like hang with it. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how I keep going. That's fair. I'll take that. Yeah, it's like my toe's broken. I'm running. It's fine. Like that's the point. <laughs> yes, that's, you're like how? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I did take a week ish off to be to be, but then I kept running on it. So <laughs> so you just find out. Yeah, you get the idea. That's fine. That's good. I like it. Yeah. You know when I think of Nate. Oh man, let's see here. Nate's got a lot going on too, though. I, I'm, I mean, we all do. I'm trying to think. With him, I think he brings kind of this like calming, not super, uh, not a lot of friction, <laughs> like except when he gets triggered. And I think it's triggered. Yeah, but that's different. Yeah. Uh, kind of a very like balanced feel to him where yeah. it's like the shoe that I would give him would be something that I can do a little bit of everything in, but it's not something, um, that feels, you know, bad at anything, but it's just something it's comfortable. It's cozy. Right. And I, I think that shoe is f- for him, the Puma deviate nitro elite version one. A little bit flexible. Oh, you have some like cushion. Yeah. It's a shoe he yeah. liked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just a comfortable shoe. Like, I feel like I could walk in that shoe. I could run slow in that shoe. I could run fast in that shoe. I was going to race a marathon in that shoe. And, uh, yeah. So I'd, I'd give him the Puma Deviate Nitro Elite. Are we going, like, all the way down? Or are we just kind of... I don't know. I, I got a thing. Let's do the, the mid. Let's do it. I'll, I'll be nice to you. Let's do BJ and then you. Are you missed? Okay. Yeah. Um, for BJ, for homie Casper, he's also a mysterious one for the viewers and listeners because you hardly ever seen him. You've only seen him once. He was on one episode. He showed his face yeah. once. Um, Have we gotten Bach on an episode? No, we haven't gotten Bach on an episode. <sighs> he has showed himself a little bit more on Instagram, though. He does. He is Instagram famous, but not podcast no, YouTube famous yet. Because no, he did. He did an episode. He did do a YouTube thing, which was phenomenal, and I loved every minute of it. But you know, uh, this last part it. is going to be its own it. segment. I got it. Yeah. Um, right. Yes, I've. I think I've got it. I'm just trying to. I've got the. Mo- I've got the brand. I'm trying to think of the exact model. Uh, okay, got it. Okay, BJ is going to be the on cloud swift, and the reason why he is the on cloud swift now, he is a very go with the flow type person, but he can be kind of particular as well. He likes his details, he likes his structure. This is our sound guy, he's our audio engineer, you know, like he. He likes to keep things very he a lot of attention to detail. I, and on, I love him and Bach all have the, like the similar story where they're like fans and they reached out going, "Hey, we love the content, but my area of expertise, you guys do such a bad job that I'm reaching out <laughs> to try to help you." Yeah, and- <laughs> social media like management and sound for the podcast like you guys sound terrible like please let me help you're like yeah sure give me shoes yeah so and i feel like on does a pretty good job of like attention to those small little details you know and it's one of the reasons yeah. why i think some of their shoes are aesthetically pleasing for a lot of people you know whether it's the tongue or the eyelets or like just little things even like the little laces it says put me on you know like just little things like that i i feel like he is an on shoe 
And the reason why he's the Cloud Swift is because it's kind of like this urban lifestyle running shoe that you can still do a little bit of both, which is kind of what he does, right? He has a full-time job as well doing what he does. And then he helps us out. And the Swift part of it is that he does a pretty good turnaround for these big audio projects, you know? Um, I feel like that shoe is pretty encompassing to him. I feel like he's always pretty put together when he comes on the screen. Hair is always done pretty well. Not that you guys see him on screen. He's usually in the background. But he's he's present. He's professional. He looks, you know, he's he seems put together. He's probably the most put as to, opposed to the rest of exactly. us. Exactly. Like, like I feel like he's like, oh, more gosh. put together than any of us when we're all on the same screen. So I feel like it's a pretty clean getup. And so I, I give him the on cloud swift. Sweet. It's also fairly. I think it ventilates really well. So he lives in Texas, so he needs all the ventilation he can get. So that's no. All right. All right. I'll do the final one for you. What would what shoe would you give yourself? You know, I don't know if I can give myself a shoe. You know, I feel like that's unfair what? to be like, I am this. And I, I feel weird saying I am this, you know, like. We got to, for continuity, unless you want I mean, some variety. It's for like, continuity purposes. I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know what I'd be. I feel like I have a lot of hats as well, you know, where I, I kind of am a little bit of everywhere. Um, ah, man, I don't know. If I had to give myself a shoe. It'd probably be a shoe I can't talk about, you know. Like, of course, yes. So, no, no, no. That's perfect. That's it. That's that's the shoe you give. The shoe is, hey, I can't talk about this. Uh, yeah. Like no one's so asking. And I'm line. just like, oh, sorry, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Yeah. No, but I mean, in all seriousness, I'm not. I honestly don't really know. Um, no, I think that's appropriate. I think that I can't talk about this shoe yet. Is your shoe? I've got big plans. I can't talk about it yet. You know what's going to happen. All right. Then I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a secret shoe. You're a secret shoe. So KS Runs, I hope that answered your question. What was that, like a 15-minute segment? That was that was solid. Yeah. And you get to that see me think on my feet. One. Those were not, yeah. those were not yeah. planned answers. This is good. Even I'm the Andrew we, one was very, very whole thing. quickly. Like we barely talked about yeah. that. I mean, that was probably a yes. solid 20 seconds of conversation yeah. before we hit record. Yep. Yep. So we hope you enjoyed that. That went really long. Oh, my gosh. We made it to 80 minutes. Um, so we might break this up later on, and we'll see what BJ keeps and throws out. But we appreciate you listening as always, and we hope that some of the variety that we're giving you with the Q&A episodes is cool and trying to answer some of your questions and hope for those of you that email us and message us, this is a good way to kind of get some of those out and do a better job of responding with. Again, remember, we all have full-time jobs, if not two um or more and we do this because we love it we try to do our best to educate as much as possible we appreciate all the feedback we got and all the great questions if you are interested in learning anything else please visit our website we've got a ton of educational articles and a lot of this content is all centered there as always we have stuff on a variety of social media channels be it linkedin instagram facebook this box probably still doing the tiktok all over the place. We've obviously got this podcast, which you can see on both YouTube and in a variety of areas, including Spotify, iTunes, and a variety of areas. So whatever medium you want to take in this information, it's out there. Because as always, we are hoping to help give you more information about this stuff because we want you to be able to run and enjoy this stuff and learn about learn more about what works for you. As always, if you have any questions, keep an eye out. We have some really cool stuff coming up the docket. Some really cool people that I can't talk about yet because we're, we're trying to make sure this is happening. But stick around. It's going to be really fun. Oh, 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 oh,